Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The FT. Hello, and welcome back to the FT Arts Podcast. I'm Peter Aspent, the FT's arts writer, and with me today is John Lloyd, the paper's television columnist. This week, we'll be discussing the state of British contemporary art. It's been an important month for contemporary art. First, the Turner Prize exhibition opened at Tate Britain, and then the largest ever Freeze Art Fair took place in Regent's Park. The last seven days alone have seen the opening of the British Art Show 7 in Nottingham and the second instalment of Newspeak, a showcase of the contemporary art collector Charles Saatchi's latest purchases at his Saatchi Gallery in London. Finally, we'll be discussing Modern Times, the penultimate in Channel 4's series The Genius of British Art. In this episode, which airs on Sunday... Janet Street Porter tells us how art unleashed social and cultural changes in the second half of the 20th century and in the process changed her own life. Let's start with the British Art Show 7. Established back in 1979, the British Art Show is a five-yearly touring exhibition that aims to bring the best of recent art to cities around the country, this time to Nottingham, London, Glasgow and Plymouth. Let's hear from Jackie Wulschlager, the FT's art critic, who was in Nottingham. The British Art Show is a fantastic proof of the strength and inventiveness of the mid-career generation of British artists. It contains four terrific pieces, one really remarkable one by Christian Markley and provocatively interesting work by Wolfgang Tillmans, Charles Avery and Sarah Lucas. It's a, it's a staggeringly impressive sign of, of British art's exhilarating capacity for renewal and change and originality. The problem with the British Art Show is that although it really showcases these mid-career people, it doesn't, to me, introduce anyone new, anyone exciting, anyone young. I found the, the younger, lesser-known work really third-rate. It's mostly conceptual. It's not original. It's something that we've seen this sort of thing for years, for decades. And the other thing is I recognised over half the work from a, a square mile of, of London conceptual galleries in EC1, E1, E2, E8. That's not looking far enough. This is a, a show that tours the country, and it should reflect greater diversity. Now, Ralph Rugoff says changes in curatorial approaches have radically affected our perception of what art means. And I feel that that as a, a defining point of the British art show is really the wrong way round. Curatorial approaches ought to reflect art. And as far as I can see, the dramatic curatorial approach change is that it's just become much more blinkered and more narrow. The British Art Show 30 years ago opened with 112 artists, but even 10 years ago we had these austere conceptualists, Martin Creed, Michael Landy, Simon Starling, but we also had David Hockney, Paul Arego, the great mid-career painter Michael Rydecker. And that pluralism really defines British art, and it's 
disappearing from public shows like this because curators are so schooled in theory. It's a, a new form of sort of academicism, really, and it, it doesn't serve either artists or audience as well. So Jackie believes there's been a, a marked change in curatorial approaches since the first British art show in 1979. She thinks it's more blinkered than before and that the art scene's dominated by conceptually orientated galleries. And it's interesting to consider those views in relation to the new Saatchi Gallery show and indeed all Charles Saatchi exhibitions, because in a sense his exhibitions don't pretend not to be blinkered. Newspeak doesn't attempt to be a comprehensive or an objective overview of the state of contemporary British art. It's simply one man's taste on show for all. Admittedly, a very influential man. Uh, John, I wondered what, what you thought about that. It's clear that the, that Satchi is indeed a very influential man, and his taste now, to some extent by imitation, I think, has become the taste of generations, a number of generations. And he's certainly created a school. Uh, he's created above all Damien Hirst and popularised him. He's very much collapsed the boundaries between dealer, collector, art lover, ad man. Does that matter at all or is that perhaps a comment in itself on the way we are now? It's a comment in itself, I think. And art, modern art, as I look at it and see it, with perhaps an over-literal interpretation, is one which says, and it's it's good that it says it because the ideas are often interesting. It, it does collapse um, between high art, the boundaries between high art, and as you say, right to public relations, to journalism, to comics, to popular fiction, to all kinds of images which we've become, to advertising, which we've become accustomed to and which artists have said, come on in. The gallery is a gallery as much of found objects as of people's genius. Sure. Uh, the other thing I'd like to discuss with you is Janet Street Porter, the inimitable Janet Street Porter. Here's a clip from Modern Times, the fifth episode of the Channel 4 series, The Genius of British Art. A provincial art gallery on a Wednesday afternoon filled with the kind of modern British art that makes me want to scream. When you look at these paintings, what you feel like saying is, is that all there is? It's Old men in a pub, fish and chips, a packed beach on a grim bank holiday. Ugh. The problem I have with this view of British art is that it's grey. It seems to reflect a Britain where it's always raining and everyone's pretty miserable. The Britain, in fact, that I grew up in. The stifling, narrow-minded country my parents embodied with their boring, petty values. No wonder we were always arguing. I didn't belong in suburbia and I couldn't wait to escape. Art showed me the way out. Art that was challenging, threatening and controversial. And the artists who made it were just like me. They were mouthy and didn't give a shit. They rebelled against the suffocating Middle England I left behind. But more than that, they actually transformed British society through a series of social and cultural revolutions. Their art said bollocks to British complacency.
on rebellion, shock, controversy, profanity. These are strains in British contemporary art, but perhaps this programme told us a little bit more about its presenter than its nominal subject. That clip certainly did, and it's certainly in tune with what Janice Reed Porter's career has been for the last 30 or 40 years. I think to rebel against one's parents and to call them uh, stifling and conformism is fine when you're 25. In your sixth decade, it seems a little unseemly. Her taste, or rather the underpinnings that she gives, the kind of philosophical or personal underpinnings for her taste, are very self-serving. I mean, what she's saying is, I was one of the great breakers of uh, tradition and taboos of my time, and with me were a number of artists, one of whom, Damien Hurst, happens to have painted my portrait, others like Patrick Heron and so on, uh, whom she has since bought. The, the programme has been, the series of the Genius British Art has been tremendous. But I, I think that with, with Janet Street Porter, possibly with Jon Snow, who's yet to come, you're going to see much more of a kind of celebrity approach to art. And art, I think, has tended to be, or contemporary art has tended to be a bit contaminated with that. I think to put yourself so much in the frame, literally in the case of being painted by the people you're talking about, detracts from what has been, to date, a tremendous celebration of some of the, the, the landmarks of British art over the last five centuries. Yes, there were some very uh, very irritating shots of Janet sort of lounging and posing in front of a Francis Bacon, and that's, that's part of a problem of television's coverage of art, that it, it falls for that, that kind of um, trick. But I was trying to make sense of her thesis, and I was I was interested, obviously, in the the shock value because undoubtedly post-war British art did shake things up, as indeed British pop music did. But I was quite surprised that when she got to the present day and talking about people like Damien Hirst, who is a multi-millionaire after all, uh, she seemed rather naively just to take Damien Hirst's view that he just happened to be in the right place at the right time and he just did what he wanted and he broke the rules. Whereas, in fact, as we know, there's quite a shrewd and powerful financial machine behind Damien Hirst. And behind Janet Street Porter, if not quite of the same power and success. I mean, I think what your comment says and what Janet shows is that for much of, of modern art and modern journalism, modern television, in which she's made her name, the calculation, which is behind the scenes, done partly by the individual themselves, but more often by their agents, by their producers, by the people who are putting them forward and who have mistaken them, is hugely part of what they're about. Um, again, artists through the ages have always required, if you will, producers, to be called patrons. Now that machine, that machine of public relations and production and of media itself is now almost inseparable from the work of art or the works of art produced. And uh, interestingly enough, some of them actually say so. I and mean, some of them are, if you will, self-referential and self-critical of the, of the actual means of their own production. That's all we've got time for. Thank you, John, and thanks also to Jackie, and thanks to you for listening. The Arts Podcast was produced by Griselda Murray-Brown, and we'll be back next week. Goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.